Bill Buckley here. I want to invite you to join me this summer on a trip of a lifetime to both Israel and Jordan. I'm teaming up again with Pastor Ralph Yankee Arnold for this life-changing pilgrimage. Come see the biblical sites you've read about. Jerusalem, Mount of Olives, Sea of Galilee, Jericho, Jordan River, Nazareth, Bethlehem, Petra, and so much more. Your cost is just $45.95, double occupancy, including round-trip air from Tampa, two meals a day, private Wi-Fi motor coach, Israeli and Jordanian guides. Space is very limited. A $700 deposit secures your spot with final payment not due until May the 10th, giving you time to budget. To see all the places on our 10-day pilgrimage to Israel and Jordan, June 24th through July 4th, go to BillBunkley.com. That's BillBunkley.com. BillBunkley.com. Or call me at 813-264-2977. That's 813-264-2977. to die that he might give eternal life that I might live and turn my darkness then we go back there to chapter 16 now you notice the Holy Spirit can forbid you now how did the Holy Spirit tell them or forbid them well, like we just read while ago, some people are hardened, and so you keep mo- looking for some good ground. And if all that ground is hard and nobody wants to believe, okay, then find some other piece of ground and sow some seeds over there. And if that's good, that's just stay there and teach some more. Or if that gets hard and nobody wants to go, go someplace else, but always keep doing and keep looking for places to sow seed because you want the seed to grow. And notice now in verse 8, and as they pass by, This one town, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to them, to Paul, in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia, and asked him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we delivered to go, or endeavored to go into Macedonia. Now, up in verse 7, it's they, they... Now it changes to we. So many believe this is when the, uh, you know, Luke joined the apostle Paul and went with him because he, he wrote the book of Acts and he wrote the book of Luke. And so now it's changed from they to we and uh, believing that this is when he joined the group with Paul. And he says, come over. In verse 10, and after he had seen the vision immediately, we endeavored to go into Macedonia. Now, notice this, immediately. When they knew what God wanted them to do, immediately they did it. When they knew that the Holy Spirit says no, they obeyed. When it says go by this place, they did that. In other words, depending upon the Lord to lead you as you go. And some things will make sense and some things just may not make sense. It wasn't until just recently... I saw that up there from verse 6. Why were they forbidden to go into Asia? And I realized when I read chapter 19, and I saw that again. They reached everybody in Asia. But it was later. But it was timing. Because there was something else that might have been more important of the people that they were going to reach. So they knew all about this, uh, the Lord did, about this woman named Lydia. A seller of purple, who
who was sitting by the riverside. You ever heard that song? Down by the riverside, down by. This is where she was, down by the riverside. But anyway, first of all, notice in verse 10 when he says, Assuredly, gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Assuredly, gathering. In other words, what were you using to make this determination? How do you know that you shouldn't go there and you should go here? And, uh, well, they said that the Holy Spirit told them not to go there. And they had a vision to go here. So we gathered the information together and we waited and we looked at it and came to the conclusion. This is what we should do. I um, also... um, wrote down a little scripture reference that I thought might shed a little light on this. Look in 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians in chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And notice what he says here. Started in verse 5. Look in verse 5. This is on page 1228. And verse 5 says, Now I will come unto you. When I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia, and it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that you may bring me on my journey, whithersoever I go. In other words, he's talking about they're going to bring him on his journey. In other words, they're taking up an offering. And so when he comes through, they're going to give it to him. He's a missionary and, and fund his, uh, his missionary journey. So then he says this in verse 7. For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you. And get this, you ought to underline this. If the Lord permit. In other words, I may have permission from the Lord and I may not. In other words, it may work out and it may not work out. I might be able to and I might not be able to. And so this is why sometimes we say, well, I'll do this, uh, Lord willing, Lord willing. You ever know the people who throw that in there? Lord willing. In other words, if it's the Lord's will. In other words, if I can, and uh, the Lord opens a door. Sometimes there's a door, but it's closed. So some people like to get a, you know, a sledgehammer and a crowbar and pry open the door when God says no. And so sometimes people want to go against what God wants. But now notice another verse. He says in verse 9, For a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. So Paul also went by, there's an open door, or there's a closed door. What do you mean by having an open door? An opportunity. There's an opportunity. Great adversaries... But it's an opportunity. So the Lord may close the door by not giving you the opportunity. He may permit some things and he may not permit others. So we're always wanting to know the will of God in our life. Now, if Paul had gone anyway, he probably could have led some people to the Lord, but he might have missed out on something that he was supposed to do in another place. And maybe he would not have been where he was in order to train some people for two years in the Bible college, so that they could reach the whole place of Asia. So you look at these things and you try to study from a perspective. I know the Great Commission. 
And therefore, I judge everything by what we do and don't do by what is it helping us to fulfill the Great Commission. Now, go back there to the book of Acts in chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. And you'll notice what he says here in um, verse 12. He came to this place here. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia. And a colony, which is, uh, I mean, it's a, belongs to Rome, and, but it's a free city. That means they didn't have to pay taxes. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, which is a Saturday, we went out of the city by a riverside, where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down. And spake unto the women which were, which resorted there. So it's in a public place. There were some women there. And they got a chance to witness. Now if they hadn't have come here, they would not have been able to reach those people here at that time. But it could have been because there was a woman that, um, whose name was Lydia in verse 14. A certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira. Which worshipped God. Now later on you'll study about the church at Thyatira in the book of Revelation in chapter 3. So the church has to get started somehow, some way. Whose heart the Lord opened because they heard the word and they worshipped the Lord. And she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us saying... If we or ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So this is the fellowship in the Lord. And talking about the fellowship of the gospel. And talking about when she heard and understood and attended unto the things which Paul had said. Hold your place right here. Look in Philippians chapter 1. Philippians and chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And you'll notice that this is also a place called a Philippi. And uh, this is where some of the things that were talked about or makes places. Because in Acts chapter 16 and verse uh, 12 talks about and from thence to Philippi, which is what he also went to. So the book of Philippians Look in verse 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy, and get this, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. See, your fellowship is in the gospel. Do we believe the same thing? See, there's a lot of preachers that I cannot fellowship with. We just don't have that bond when I know that they're not clear on the gospel. And I just don't trust them. When I don't trust them is a problem. And so um, something to keep in mind as you read and study the scriptures, you're always looking for little keys, things that help you to understand what he's talking about. But you got to understand what was the purpose of Paul to preach the gospel and some things about Paul and why he did what he did. And uh, where he went, where he went, and when he did it. So go back there to uh, chapter 16 of Acts. 
and makes a statement in verse 16. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, a woman, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. In other words, trying to tell the future. Everybody always wants to know what's going to happen in the future. Have you ever drove down the, a road and you see a sign up there about, you know, uh, some lady that wants to read your palm, you know, the palm readers. And so they got palm readers and they've got uh, the horoscopes and all that. Probably some of y'all might have read your horoscope this morning to see whether or not you should go to church or not. Or if you've got a business transaction tomorrow, it might be uh, that says wait till Tuesday. Also, so you go by that. I can't do anything unless I study my horoscope and see what I'm supposed to do. That's slop. Stay away from that junk. You want to know the future? Read the Bible. And he also says this in the book of James. We know not what shall be on tomorrow. And that includes those nuts that are always trying to tell you what they know what's going to happen tomorrow. I have not had headaches for so long, I don't forget what one felt like. And then it all came back to me. <laughs> it all came back to me. And so, three days of it, but I had not, that it wasn't on my schedule. I mean, why did that have to happen? I didn't plan that. And God didn't even tell me in advance this was going to have a problem. And I feel like I'm as close to the Lord as I know anybody can get. I don't know how you can get any closer unless you just leave here and go there. But evidently, there's a lot of things God has not told me. So I guess I'm just have to take it by faith. Just live today. And that song we just sung just a minute ago. I don't know about what? Tomorrow. And so, but I know who holds tomorrow. That's the key. That's the key. But look down there at the bottom of the page here. In verse 17, the same followed Paul and, and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Now, evidently, she might have heard something and repeating something, but there was a problem. In verse 18, And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out the same hour. Now, I don't go around trying to cast the devil out of people. I've never had a healing line where you come on down here and I'll heal you. Well, am I against prayer? No, I'm not against praying. I pray all the time. But I don't have any personal power that can cause one person to be healed and another person not to be healed. I don't have that. I've got something better than that. See, there's something that's better than actually raising the dead. And there's something actually that's better than making the blind to see. And the dumb, you know, to speak or the deaf to hear. There's something better than all of that. When you win a person to the Lord... That is better than all those other things because all those things are temporary. If a deaf man can be made to hear and dumb to speak, it's temporary, right? And if even raised him from the dead, it's still temporary. He's going to die again. So something that's better than that is if you lead a person to the Lord, you've given them spiritual sight that lasts forever. Ears to hear 
things that the natural ear cannot hear because now you can hear the word of God. And you can speak about the things that God has revealed through his word that you didn't know before. And now you have eternal life and you're never going to die in this uh, because of the new birth. The new birth will never die. First birth does, but the second birth never dies. So there's greater value. And this is, I believe, what Christ says. And you shall do greater works than these. You'll do greater works than these. What I'm doing is awesome. But there's something greater than that. And that's the winning people to Christ. So in verse 19, and when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, the hope of their gains. See, they made money off of her, the pimps. And he says, they caught Paul and Silas, drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers, brought them to the magistrates, and these men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. Well, it troubled their pocketbooks. And teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison, made their feet fast in the stocks. So they were put in irons. Inside the prison, in the inner prison, far back in as I guess you could go. I mean, these are some bad dudes. They really are bad for society. And yet here, uh, we want to be loved by everybody. They weren't loved by everybody. They paid a great price in their service to the Lord. So we expect sometimes, well, if we serve the Lord, everything will work out cozy. Everything will come up roses. It doesn't work that way. Those who live godly shall suffer. There's another word that goes with that. Persecution. persecution. You're going to be persecuted. And so some people don't want the persecution. Anyway, we'll start next week on the Philippian jailer. You've heard of him. Now, let me show you something. You're here this morning. And if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior... I want you to trust him. I want you to understand it. Now, this hand represents you and me. The wallet represents all the bad things that we do. It's our sins. And the Bible says that God loves us, but he hates our sin. Because, see, our sins have to be paid. Since we committed the sin, we have a debt. We have to pay for it. Wages means I earned the right to pay for it. I did it. The wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. So everybody in this room has earned the right to go to hell, but not one person in this room has ever earned the right to go to heaven. But we've all earned the right to be eternally separated from God because we've all sinned and come short of the perfection of God. You see, heaven is perfect. There's no sin in heaven. And God is perfect. And heaven is perfect. And because of sin, see, we can't get in. So God says that you cannot save yourself. You can't get there by what you do. So all of our goodness, regardless of how good they may be, God says they're filthy rags. And that you'll never be good enough to go to heaven because that's the 
perfect place. And so that means you'd have to be perfect here in order to get there. And you don't know anybody like that. So God says you cannot save yourself. So it's not by going to church. It's not by giving money. It's not by promising to stop being bad and you're going to start being good. Or I'm going to get baptized. See, is going to church a good thing? Yes. Being baptized? Yes. All those are good things, but they don't get you to heaven. It's a death payment that God only accepts. Now, this hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. Jesus Christ came into the world. Now, see, he's perfect. He has no sin, so he doesn't have to die. God can't die. So he came into the world, and God used Mary to prepare him a body in which he would live in. And in that body, he would grow up and be tested. And everything you and I were tested in and failed. And he would obey perfectly all the righteous demands of God's law. And in those 33 and a half years that he lived, he never sinned. Never broke a commandment. Pleased the Lord in all things. There was no fault in him. He did not have to die because of anything that he's done. All of us, yes, we do. We deserve to die. He did not deserve to die. So because of his love for us, he could become a substitute for us. He would take our sins. And he took all the sin of all the world upon himself and died on the cross. He was buried and came back from the dead. And God says the only thing you and I can do is to believe. Because you can't be saved by your works. He said, but if you'll trust this payment he made. See, when I say, would you accept the payment he made? Christ was the payment. You were accepting Jesus Christ as your payment for your sin. And so by doing so, he gives to you as a free gift eternal life. And you get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for you. There's no tricks to it. There's no gimmick. Now, if I offered you my wallet and you accept you'd have an empty wallet. If I offered you this microphone and you accept you would have a microphone. Well, if Jesus Christ came in here and offered you eternal life and you accept it, what would you have? Eternal life. And if it's eternal life, it would last forever. And if it lasts forever and all your sins are paid, where would you go when you die? To heaven. So can you know that you're going to heaven before you die? Yes. I have known for 49 years. I'm a little bit older than that. 49 years I know I'm going to heaven when I die. Is it because I'm good? Of course. No. It's not because I'm good. It's because he's good. He loved me. He paid for my sin. Well, he did the same thing for you. Only thing I ever did to go to heaven was to trust Christ as my Savior. I believe he did it for me. And God said, if you'll believe it with all your heart, not trust in anything else. You don't trust you. You don't trust the church. You don't trust the preacher. I can't get you there. You don't trust your good deeds. You must trust Jesus Christ and him alone. And he said he would give you as a free gift everlasting life. 
And if it's everlasting life, how long would it last? Forever. If it lasts forever and all your sins are paid, where would you go when you die? You get to go to heaven whenever you die. Now that's a gift. That's free. Once you trust Christ as your Savior, and you believe that, it might be same day. It might be a week later. might be a month later. might be a year later. might be ten years later. You might decide, I, I need to be baptized. Not to get to heaven, but because you're going there. And it's a step of obedience. Don't let the devil rob you of something that's wonderful and sweet and precious. Because it's an obedience that you know I did what my father wanted me to do. I'm his child. I am not ashamed. But anyway, I hope that that's a decision you have to make, but you need to make it. And remember, no decision is a decision. But I simply want all of God's children to be obedient to the Lord. And that's a good place to start. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. Friend, I have tried my dead level best to explain this critical issue as best I can. It grieves me deeply when there are so many that trust in their infant baptism as though it has something to do with saving them and getting them to heaven. And no doubt there's a lot of people that say, well, I, I'm going to heaven because I was baptized. Nobody is going to heaven because you were baptized. Did you trust Christ as your Savior? Do you believe he died on that cross, that he paid for your sins? Will you trust him and him alone as your only hope of going to heaven? Friend, in just a moment, I'm going to ask for a raise of hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. But I'd like to know if what I said made sense. I don't know no way to do it except just by asking you. But I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand to let me know if you will accept Jesus Christ this morning as your Savior. I'm not asking you to join the church. I'm not asking you for money. I'm not asking you to change your life. I'm not asking you to be a religious hypocrite. I'm asking you to be honest and say something like this to the Lord. Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. And I hear and understand and believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ died on that cross and paid for my sins. That he was buried and came back again from the dead. And I believe he did it for me. And I will accept him right now as my only hope of going to heaven. And preacher, I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Does anyone at all this morning say, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. And I'd like for you to pray for me. Just slip it up very quickly and put it right back down. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? If you've already trusted Christ as Savior, you don't have to do it again. But if you've never done so, would you trust him? I'm not going to embarrass you or point you out. It's over and done with when you make that decision. God knows who you are. Knows that you're trusting him. And one it all before we close. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, talk to the Lord about being baptized. Not because you have to, but because you want to. It's a step of obedience. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We pray, Lord, your richest blessings upon each person here. And Father, I pray that they do understand 
that water baptism cannot save, doesn't even help. It is a picture of the most important thing in a person's life. It's a picture of the greatest thing that can ever happen to a man, and that's to be saved. To believe that you died, was buried, came back and back from the dead, and that you did it for that individual. Thank you so much for this time together. We ask your blessings upon each family here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. How permanent is your salvation? Can you lose it? Are you 100% sure that you'll go to heaven? To help you in answering that question, Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.